we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this December the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be my co-host, Pastor Mark Smith. And we're taking a look at the hymn assigned for this coming Sunday. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Now, this hymn, we're not sure when it was written. It was written between the 5th and 10th centuries, and it was written in Latin. It was finally translated into English by Edward Caswell, who died in 1878. And the music is by William H. Monk, who died in 1889. So this is a hymn for Advent, and it's dealing with the message of John the Baptist. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. So what's your understanding of this hymn, Pastor Mark Smith? Well, uh, I would say the the first three stanzas have to do with... uh, his first coming, uh, and, and of course, uh, John the Baptist is warning the people of that. That's the first his three first stanzas. Coming. And then it switches, in the fourth stanza, it switches to his second coming when he comes again in glory. Are you talking about Jesus Christ? Right, yes. First and second coming? Yes. Oh, Okay. It refers to him, the hymn, uh, what's interesting is the hymn refers to him as the, the sun, the sunrise. The sun, it says, uh, Christ, it's sun, all sloth dispelling. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You always get ahead of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great hymn, and um, I think... Yeah, uh, I was having a little trouble in getting it on the computer. Um, so let me see here. I think I've got it now. Let me just try and play it. Take a look at the strange coordinates on your screen. This is the precise location of a massive wealth transfer. Okay, here it comes. I heard the tune, but I didn't hear any lyrics, Tom. So I take it the the, the, the recording didn't have any hear, uh, lyrics. That, that particular one did not. It was just the music. Yeah. 
So, if you would be so kind as to begin with stanza one. Gladly. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is near, we hear it say. Cast away the works of darkness, all you children of the day. Now, that's the message of John the Baptizer. What does he mean, cast away the works of darkness? Prepare. The, the Christ uh, is coming again. And uh, his was... Uh, his was a ministry of preparation. He was urging the people as they came out to hear him in the wilderness, to hear him preach. He warned them that that Christ is coming, and uh, and they should uh, cast away the works of darkness, uh, put away the things that the, the darkness, of course, is the darkness of sin that has yes. encompassed the world before Christ came, and he's urging them put that aside, leave your sin. And and come to Christ with with all of His mercy and forgiveness. Yes, in other words, John the Baptizer did a baptism of what? Of repentance. Yes, and how do we understand that word repentance? Uh, t- turn away, turn away, leave sin behind, turn turn away from it, and of yes. course, uh, it encompasses faith too. Faith too too is important in that in that turning away. But that's a gift that's going to be given by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, right. To trust in Him. And uh, therefore, a lot of people, even in the world today, don't turn away from the works of darkness. Why not? Well, they just, they, they probably don't take the warning uh, and, and they don't take the gospel seriously, and right. uh, they just well, refuse. The meaning of the first commandment. Yeah, yeah, right. Of course, uh, Christ, uh, God is not first in their life. There's too many other things in their life that they just can't let go of. They refuse to. And the meaning is, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." What does this mean? We should. Fear and love God above all things. Fear, love, and trust. Right. In God. That's right. That word fear really bothers a lot of people. Because are we supposed to be afraid of God? No, but he is he is awesome. And we should we should recognize that yeah. you know he has all power in heaven and earth. And, of course, he could squash us like a bug any time he so chooses. And uh, so we're, we're to uh, approach him with awe. Yeah, in fact, um, I often compare this to parents. Um, did you fear your parents? No, but I sure respected them. Well, I feared mine. Because <laughs> every time I did something wrong... I got disciplined. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't like the discipline. Yeah, I can remember those I can remember those feelings too even with my parents. And so that's really what is meant by the word fear that you have such a high regard for your parents and for God that you recognize what he could have done to you in sending you to hell 
But instead, what did he do? He sent his own son to take the the pangs of hell upon himself on the cross to suffer our to suffer the the uh, the hell that we deserved. Yes, and in, and in exchange, give us forgiveness, life, and salvation. There is another translation to that first line, Hark a thrilling voice is sounding. The translation is, Hark an awful voice is sounding. How do we mm. understand that? Yeah, I would, well, that's, yeah, awful, <laughs> awful maybe doesn't translate well to people. It's, uh, it, it sounds uh, like like almost abhorrent. But uh, what does it really mean, though? Divide the word. Awe, full of awe. Yes. Don't they're you think that's full of awe when they hear this message? Yeah. Don't you now? They're now that hymn, that first line, "Hark a thrilling or hark an awful voice." Isn't that the voice of John the Baptist that it's referring to? Absolutely. Yes. Because what is in quotations right after that? Christ is near. That's right. If it was Jesus talking, it would be, I am near. But he's proclaiming that the time of Christ is quickly approaching. That is right. And therefore, he is the forerunner, as you explained, to prepare people. We're preparing them for what gift from Jesus? What gift? Yes. Uh, his his coming. Uh, of course, his ministry while he was on this earth of of healing, and and but most of all, his his forgiveness. That's the point I want to make. His forgiveness. Nobody wants forgiveness if they don't think. They're living in works of darkness. That's right. Yeah. What What do I need forgiveness? You hear that from people. What do I need your God for? What do I need uh, God's forgiveness for? I'm a, well I'm a better person. Uh, you know, people feel that, oh, I'm, I'm not so bad. Right. And so casting away your works of darkness is a work of the Holy Spirit as he makes us aware that we are living in works of darkness. That really comes about because what is every person born with? Sin. What? Kind of, what? Sin. Original sin. Original sin, right, even, even from our conception. Yes. Very, very, very important. In sin did my mother conceive me. That's right. Is a Bible verse. Psalm 51, verse 5. That's why I tell you, parents have the task of training their children to cast away the works of darkness, and that's done through discipline. Now, the word discipline comes from also the word disciple. And so it doesn't mean that you beat your child or anything but you give him negative consequences when he disobeys the word of God. 
And the more you do that, the more the child grows up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's right. That's something that uh, every parent needs to know. Discipline right, is I'll, important. I'll read stanza two. Um, sorted at... Pardon? Startled? Yes, I'm sorry. Startled. Well, here, you go ahead and read it. Sure. Startled at the solemn warning. Let the earthborn soul arise. Christ, its son, all sloth dispelling, shines upon the morning skies. Now, what does it mean, all sloth dispelling? What's sloth? Sloth is uh, uh, laziness. Um... <laughs> well, it's a rejection that we're living in the darkness. Yes. And that's what he wants to dispel. We have many people in the United States today that are following things that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God. That means they're living in sloth. And from Jesus' point of view, he wants to dispel that. And he does that by making it known what sins you are doing. Do you ever do that in a sermon? Oh, yeah, you have to do that. That's uh, that's preaching of the law. Uh, you have to bring people to the knowledge that uh, that uh, sometimes people need to be reminded of their sin, that they're really, really, when it comes right down to it, they're a lot worse than they thought they were. Even well, you know, the sins of thought, word, as well as deed, even our sinful thoughts condemn us. In adult instruction, we go through the Ten Commandments, and because of that thought, word, and deed, I make it clear that every one of us break almost every sin, if not by deed, sometimes by thought. That's right. Yeah, what does Jesus say about murder in that Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, he said, even if you, uh, even if you are angry with your brother... Without uh, cause. Without cause, you're guilty of murder. Yeah. Yes. And the punishment is the same as if you actually murdered him. That's right. So, without Christ, without Christ, just one sinful thought can condemn us. Yes. Why is the world startled at the Baptist warning? Well, you know, it says it says that all all Judea, Jerusalem, the whole area emptied out to go out and, and hear John the Baptist preach when he was preaching out in the wilderness and uh, baptizing at the River Jordan. Uh, yep. the, people took it to heart. He yes. he did not he did not pull any punches in his preaching whatsoever. He preached he preached to everybody. He preached to the Pharisees. He preached to the Sadducees. He preached to the soldiers. Everybody, nobody was left out in his preaching of the law. And when a pastor prepares a sermon, he needs to know his congregation well 
as to what particular sins they may be unaware of, depending on their vocation. Like the sins of a farmer are different than the sins of an assembly worker or the sins of someone who just stays home and takes care of the family. Or white-collar crime. Pardon? Or white-collar crime. Yes, right, which is a big problem. All right, stanza three, please. See the lamb so long expected comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all, to be forgiven. Now, the lamb. Why is Jesus referred to as the lamb? Well, as John the Baptist himself also said, when when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who yes. comes to take away the, the sin of the world. Yes. All and of those lambs, all of those sacrificial lambs of the Old Testament were pointing right. to the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Yes. And that was very, very important, those sacrifices. They never got the sins of anyone forgiven, but they pointed to the one who would be coming to forgive their sins. And that was something that Judaism really got mixed up in. They thought that the ceremonial laws were the way in which they were saved. Remember that Pharisee saying, thank God I'm not like the tax collector because I do what? I fast, I fast, I pray, I tithe, I tithe Notice, yes, all those things. But none of them were the moral law. They were all yeah. the ceremonial law. Yeah, he's an example of somebody that really needed to take John the Baptist's preaching to heart. Were there any Pharisees that did that? Uh, well, I, Joseph of Arimathea was one. Excellent. And I think Nicodemus Nicodemus was yeah. also a Pharisee. Right. In fact, they're the two that went to Pilate to ask him if they would have permission to take Jesus down from the cross. Both That's of them. right. And then they put him in the tomb. And, uh, of course, he rose from the dead. Okay. Stanza four, please. Okay, here we start, in this stanza, we start talking about uh, uh, Christ's second coming. So when next he comes in glory and the world is wrapped in fear, he will shield us with his mercy and with his words of love draw near. There's that word again, mercy. What does that mean? Uh, That could be also his, uh, oh, mercy is... uh, not getting what we deserve. Right. And what is grace? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Yeah, you're finally getting that down. What do you got, a piece of paper in front of you? I have a piece of paper here. I'm not looking at it, but I do have a piece of paper here. Help me remember it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very good. And let's see, you left out justice. What is justice? Well, that's- there's two kinds of justice. The one justice applied to us, which everybody in the world believes in, that we get what we deserve. Right. That's what I'm thinking. 
And so people try and do good works so they don't deserve eternal hell. In other words, they're trying to bargain with God by their works. But the other kind of justice is that our sins are just not forgiven because God says, okay, you're forgiven. What did he do to make sure our sins that, were forgiven? Yeah, that's That would be, the, what you're talking about there is w- wimpy justice. It, it really doesn't mean anything. No, what he, he had to take, he had to take the uh, condemnation upon himself for our sake. No other religion teaches that about their God. That is right. Only Christianity does. And even though there are different denominations, by and large, you are a Christian denomination if you teach that when Jesus died on the cross, your sins were forgiven and heaven is your home. So that's a very important teaching. It's what we get across in youth confirmation and adult confirmation. Um, I got a question for you. You may Uh have heard yesterday's item. I want you to think of your favorite Bible verse. Don't tell me what it is. Okay. Just think of it. All right. Okay. You got it in your mind? I do. Okay. I did this at church, and after I said that to the congregation, I said, put your hand up if you're not thinking of a promise from God. Okay. Nobody put their hand up. What's your favorite Bible verse? Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. That is a promise. Right. It's not law. Right. It doesn't say all things will work together if you start being obedient. No. If you are a Christian, if you have faith, all things work together for your good. Have you had experiences where things were really bad, but they still worked out? Oh, probably not as bad as maybe some people have experienced. But, uh, yeah, I've had had difficulties uh, here and there in life. Everybody does. But... But I, I found too that I can think of a number of times when, boy, I'm glad I'm glad that happened to me. It taught me an important lesson, or uh, because that happened to me, something else far worse did not happen to me. Now it says, when he comes in glory, was he in glory when he was here on earth prior to the crucifixion? Only on the Mount of Transfiguration. No, he was in his state of humiliation. Well said. Well said. And uh, then what's the new state he's in? Uh, His state of exaltation. And that that began, let's see, that began with his descent into hell and his resurrection from the dead. Well said. Well said. All right. Stanza 5 has a triangle. Why? And if you would read that. Okay, that's a doxological verse because it has it mentions all three persons of the Trinity. Honor, glory, might, dominion to the Father and the Son with the ever-living Spirit while eternal ages run. So 
this hymn makes no distinction between the three persons of the Trinity. There's only one God, but all three persons deserve what? Honor and worship. Honor, honor and worship, right. Uh, they're, they're all co-equal, co-eternal. Yes. How do we begin the liturgy on a Sunday morning? What do we say? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the uh, invocation. That's right. Uh, Invocation means that we're calling upon all three to help us in our worship. That's right. Does the Holy Spirit continue to work in our lives after Pentecost? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, we could not believe if it were not for the help of the Holy Spirit. Well said. Well said. So I find it interesting that they don't know who the author was of this particular hymn, though it was written centuries ago and in Latin. Yes. Ancient. It's an ancient hymn. Yes. I didn't, you know, I, I, until you brought that to my attention, I didn't realize how old it, how old it was. Yeah. And it's so old, they can't figure out exactly when it was written. They say it was between what centuries? Between the 5th and the 10th century. Yes. And so it became a hymn that was sung definitely by the 10th century. But who knows? Hark, a thrilling voice, or hark, an awful voice is sounding, but it's a voice full of awe. Thanks so very much for helping us with this hymn today, Pastor Smith. You did a good job. And um, I won't be doing it this Sunday because I'm no longer at the congregation after four years. I am available to be preaching on Sundays if anyone needs me. My email is tombaker at brick.net. Drop me a line. I'll get in touch with you with your phone number. Until Listen to tomorrow, each weekday God bless you. On KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.